so we'll go ahead and get started and, and um a little of this will be you know if you guys have questions because it's it's kind of a it's kind of a different topic if you will from what we're used to so if anybody has questions as we go please feel free to ask uh, doc and i will sort of tag team on this um and we'll get started um first of all one of the questions that 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 we're that we're asking ourselves is have we been doing it wrong all this time when it comes to eating optimal health and um and losing weight so a real quick benefit uh, a real quick background on how i got started on this so about a year ago so well first of all i've always been into health and nutrition and for probably 20 years i have done everything that that the mainstream tells you to do which is i would eat six meals a day i would uh, exercise pretty much every day i'd lift weights five days a week or so do cardio two or three days a week drink a lot of water sleep a lot but you know the whole the whole thing that everybody always talks about for optimal health and i've been doing that probably since i was 20 i'm 45 now and and i mean i guess I, I was pretty satisfied with the results however about a year ago i i wanted to take it to another level and i thought you know what do i need to do to get in better shape so i felt like i did everything they told me to do and i just wasn't where i wanted to be as far as um, physically so i explored maybe um, exercising more I explored cutting carbs out, you know, doing a ketogenic diet, which um, just another type of diet. Um, and then I ran across, and actually a cousin, a cousin of mine had told me if I had ever heard of intermittent fasting. So as soon as he said the word fasting, I closed my ears and I said, I don't want to hear anything about it. That's like a cuss word to me. Because um, I was the type of person who would have to run to the kitchen and eat I mean, as soon as I woke up, I essentially ran to the kitchen to eat. And then I would eat every three hours after that. And I would eat clean. I would have oatmeal for breakfast with a protein drink and water. I would have an apple and almonds, organic apple and almonds for a snack. I'd have a pretty sensible lunch. I'd have a snack at three. I would eat dinner at six. And I would have um, a snack before bed. Sometimes it was a protein drink. Sometimes it was a bowl of cereal. Um, it just kind of varied. So the last thing I wanted to hear was the word fasting because, you know, growing up, I was raised in a Catholic church and fasting was something we did when we got there. So I really didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, however, I came across a, a woman, a female doctor who I respect a lot, and her name is uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. And she had a little blog or i'm sorry a little uh, podcast on time restricted eating so uh because i respected her a lot because i have listened to a lot of her health stuff over the years i thought i would give it some attention so i listened to about a it started off with about a 14 minute uh podcast and it really intrigued me so what what she talked about was they had done a um a study on on mice and essentially they got two groups of mice and they um put them in you know two different groups and, and they gave them the same diet 
So, and it wasn't a good diet. It was essentially a high, I'm sorry, a high fat, high sugar diet. However, they had the same calories and one group of rats or mice um, were allowed to graze and eat their diet in all day long and all night, essentially a 16 hour window. And the other group was only allowed to eat in a 12 hour window. So essentially they ate for 12 hours and fasted for 12 hours. And what the studies showed was that the mice that fasted for 12 hours and, and ate for 12 hours, even though it was the same diet and it wasn't a good diet, they gained more lean muscle and burned more body fat without exercise, which I thought was, was pretty amazing. And, and so did the doctors. So they were, they were a little bit amazed by it. And so they, what they did was they cut their eating window back to where now they fasted for 15 hours and ate in a nine hour window. And what they found was that the mice, their energy went through the roof. So obviously that intrigued me. I started diving more and more into it and um, I thought I would try it. However, I was, I was kind of afraid because I was a total baby when it came to eating. I had to pack food like I was a, like an infant child. Everywhere I went, I you know I had snacks and you know my little tub of food and I in my in my mind I thought if I'm not eating every three hours my biceps were going to eat my triceps for food. <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of a ridiculous thing to think but so anyway so so I decided to try it, and I started with a twelve on and twelve off um, window and at first it was I'm not going to lie for me it was a little difficult. But I found after a week or so that it was pretty easy. And so I slowly started cutting my eating window down. I, I went to 13 hours the next week and then 14. And, and um, I'm a little obsessive. So now I'm at 17 hours a day that I fast for. Um, and just for me personally, the two things that I'm doing differently this year than I was a year ago was I eat in a small window of time and I trained fasting, which is another thing that I never did before. I used to think that I had to have two meals in, in me, two glasses of water, a pre-workout, and before I even thought of lifting weights. So as I was reading some of this research, the research on fasted training was, there was a lot of information about it and all these great benefits. And, and we'll go into, you know, a lot of the benefits but what i found was the first weekend i said you know what i'll, I'll try to lift weights fasted i'll have a cup of, of black coffee which we'll go into black coffee in a minute because i used to drink my coffee uh white <laughs> so it, was mostly, it was mostly cream and sugar a little bit and so the first week i did i thought um i'll try a glass of water and a cup of black coffee and then i'll work out so in my mind, I said, I'm going to try it, but I already know what's going to happen. I'm going to feel weak. I'm going to feel lightheaded. I'm not going to have a pump. I'm not going to, it's just not going to be a good workout. But I wanted to try it so I could check the box and say I, I tried it and it didn't work for me. However, I found the exact opposite to be true. I had more energy. I had more focus. I had, my strength was where it always is. Matter of fact, I felt a little lighter. So, you know, doing certain body weighted exercises, I felt like it was easier. And the next week rolled around and I was working 12 hour shifts. 
So I told myself during the week, I'll work out after work. And on my weekends, I'll work out in the morning, fasting. So the next Monday rolls around. And back then, I was working out at about 8.30 at night. And Monday rolled around, and I felt I had already eaten. At that time, I'd eaten about four times. I was doing about 12 or 13 hours of fasting a day. And when it came time to work out in the evening, which I had been doing for the last year, I felt very tired, very sluggish, and I, I still felt full, even though I had eaten like three hours before that. So I, the next morning, I said, you know what? I'm going to get up Tuesday morning, and I'm going to try to work out with just a glass of water, and no coffee or no energy boosting agents, caffeinating. And so I got up the next day. Had a glass of water. I was in the gym within ten minutes, and I felt amazing. And I haven't, I haven't gone back since, if you will. There's been a few days where I've had to work out after work, but since then I've been um, working out fasted. I've been closing my meal um, window down to a small uh, time frame, and um, I wasn't going into it to necessarily lose weight. I wanted to. There's a, there's a ton of health benefits that we'll get into in a minute, but mainly I wanted to burn a little body fat and, um, and be healthy. And I ended up losing over 20 pounds. Um, I only did cardio once a week at, at best. Sometimes I didn't do cardio at all. But for me, I didn't think I had 20 pounds to lose, but apparently I did. I was weighing about 210 pounds before, and I'm down to 190, sometimes 180 somewhere between 185 and 190 now. And I'm essentially as lean as I was when I was about 20 or 22. So that, that's the experience I have in a nutshell. Um, what Doc and I will do now is we'll talk about, um, number one, what is it? So basically time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting. Some people don't like to say the word fasting because it sounds scary. So you can call it time-restricted eating if you want. Um, so what is it? It's, it's essentially eating in a small window of time. There's studies out there that show that, and, and Doc will probably argue this, but there's some studies that I've read that sometimes it's not even as important what you eat as when you eat. However, of course, you want to eat it as you can. Yeah. And, but there has been some studies to show that, and we'll get into what happens with your insulin levels and stuff, but... I don't, I mean, I eat as clean as I can now, but I don't, I mean, if I go to a party and there's cake, I'm eating cake. If there's, if there's pizza, I'm eating pizza. I don't do it all the time, but I don't, I don't count calories. I don't um, totally restrict um, sweets, although I, you know, I try to eat as well as I can for the most part. Um, so there's different kinds of fasting. They, um, right now there's, um, there's a 12 on and 12 off things that people do. So essentially they, they eat in a 12 hour window. So, you know, if you start at six in the morning and you don't eat past six at night, um, I found that to be easy and I'm, I'm kind of a baby when it comes to eating. So I think that that's a good place to start if you're starting it. There's also the 16 and eight, which is probably one of the most popular ones out there which is you fast for 16 hours a day and you eat in an eight hour window. And you can, and you can sort of put that in any slot that works best for you. Some people start at noon and eat till eight at night. Some people start at 10 and eat till six at night. Um, that's the 16 and eight. There's the five and two, and there's been a lot of studies on that, 
There's um, people that just eat what they want five hours, or eat normally, I don't say what they want, but eat like they normally would five days a week, and then two days a week, and they don't even have to be consecutive. They eat almost nothing. So it's like some of the studies that I looked at, there were somewhere between three to 500 calories. I think it was 500 or 400 for men and three to 400 for women for two days. And they were seeing a lot of the same health benefits as 16 and 8, 12 and 12, things like that. There is, which I'm sort of working towards now, which is called the warrior diet. Is this this one, 23 one? No, that's 20 and 4. <laughs> so 20 and 4 is a four-hour eating window and a 20-hour fasting window a day. So essentially, you eat two meals in a four-hour window. So let's say you decide to break your fast at two, you eat at two, you try to finish by six, you have two big healthy meals and you're done and you're fasting for 20 hours. Um, I've flirted with the 23 in one and I've done that about six times in the last year where I'll do, it's essentially a 24 hour fast and we'll talk about the benefits of the 24 hour fast in a minute, but you, you know, I've gone to where I'll eat till six at night on a Friday and then I won't eat again till six at night on Saturday. That is a little challenging. Did that in your head? What's that? Friday to Saturday. That's good. Wow. Hey, that's because well, hey, that's, that's that's I'm mentally clear as a fasting. So, so I've done that about six times, and there's a lot of benefits to the 24-hour, and we'll talk about those as we go. But though that one is was challenging. The last three hours I was – and actually, the first three times I did it, the last three or four hours, I was super irritable, and I was counting the, the, you know, the clock. And, although I made the mistake of doing it on my weekend at home, and, then, and I, so I didn't have anything to do. So I've done it a couple times since then at work, and, and when I was busy, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Hey, that's true. So, um, Lieutenant, yes. quick question. I apologize. So, when you're doing the intermittent fasting, are you also not drinking water during this 24 hours? No, it's very important that you eat and drink a lot of water. Okay, so you are fasting. drinking water. Okay. And so, and we'll talk about um, drinks and what breaks a fast and what doesn't. Um, and I can just quickly let you know that most of the studies out there show that black coffee does not break a fast. Um, green tea does not break a fast. When you start putting sugar and cream and stuff like that, then it does. Even fake sugar. Even fake sugar, yeah. Um, like your drink right here? It's uh, like the yeah. most unhealthy. I'm in my eating room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I broke a 12. So, um, so, yeah, so, yeah, it's a good question because everybody has the question of what can I have during that, that window. And um, black coffee and green tea. And it does start now. It does start your metabolic process, which we'll talk about. Um, so, one of the studies that I saw, you got to think of your body like like workers. So, think about if you have these workers that are in your body that are having to do all this stuff when you eat. You know, they got to break down food and put things where they need to go. And, and if you have workers and you work them for sixteen or seventeen hours a day, which most of us do, what do you think your work product is going to look like? It's probably not going to be good, you know. And you're, it's shown studies are showing that the body is the same way. I read a study uh, recently that showed that after 12 hours, your body is not even processing good food that well anymore because it's tired. It's not. It's been working for 12 hours. So, um, 
So yeah, so think of coffee as yeah, doesn't black coffee doesn't break your fast. Matter of fact, it helps in uh, a, an event called autophagy. Uh, autophagy, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so it does help in that process, but it does start your metabolic, you know, your workers working. So my rule of thumb is I I go 13 hours with nothing but water. So if I have dinner at, at six at night. I'll go 13 or 14 hours before I have, I'll have nothing but water until I eat in the morning, then I'll have black coffee. So, so with the, we have a bullet here about cancer studies. So we already talked about the rat studies here. But um, for cancer, this actually goes back even farther, the, the studies on cancer, because most of the studies are done with um, like full fast, like not eating for a day, not eating for two days. And we had a professor who would talk, to teach about this. And he was rail thin, and he was a big proponent of this. This is probably 15 years ago he was talking about this. And the, the theory behind it helping with cancer, because the studies did show that it helps with cancer, is that there's something called apoptosis in your body. That means that cells naturally just die. All your cells pretty much all die, um, except for some of your central nervous system. So you're, all your cells you have now are been turned over. The ones that you want to die first are cancer cells. Because cancer, by definition, are, are cells that don't die. They just keep replicating and replicating. And so um, this, this uh, fasting diet sort of kills the cancer cells because they're, they're a little weaker, but they, they just divide and kind of live forever. So, so by fasting or starving yourself, your, your more hardy cells live in these progenitors to cancer die. Well, so when, there's, when we talked about earlier, there's a... Oh. So there's a question from the network, rubbed a book with the Alcott Disparments asking, what about black tea? You mentioned green. Yeah, as long as there's not sweet, like you're not putting sweeteners in it, then black tea would be fine too. We had talked, oh, go ahead. So I have just a quick question. Sure. You might get to this. Um, you and um, Annette with uh, UNM Psychiatry. Does the fasting period always have to be the same? So, no. so as long as it's like a six hour window, I mean, right. you can kind of, depending on your schedule, Absolutely. move that. Okay. Right. So, yes. Um, there's also something called autophagy, which, which we've talked about uh, black coffee helping. So autophagy is a natural regulate, regulated mechanism of cells um, that, or I guess autophagy is a Latin word for eating thyself. So right around, right after somewhere around 12 to 16 hours when your glycogen levels are depleted, um, it peaks around 24 hours. That's why the 24-hour fasting is so, um, I guess, popular and also important because autoph autophagy is when your, your new strong cells eat and devour your old cells. So they, it's like a cleansing of the body. And, and like Doc said, the old cells are more, um, I guess, it's about cancer and things like that. So the reason I do a 24-hour fast every month or so is because the studies show that right around 24 hours autophagy happens, which means your old cells get eaten by your new strong cells. So it's a really super good cleanse for your body. Um, okay. Yeah, well, good. So just quickly, we're going to talk about why people think this works. So insulin is a main thing, and we'll talk about that. And the other is people often just eat less because there is still that calorie in, calorie out component. Um, 
because a lot of people when they start this diet don't realize, oh my gosh, I guess I do eat after nine o'clock at night and I do snack on this and they become more aware of it and make those kind of changes and they just become healthier. However, there's a doctor named Dr. Jason Fung from the University of Toronto and it's actually part of our slideshow. He talks about the calories in and calories out being, um, that, that doesn't work. Um, you look at people from The Biggest Loser and they all end up losing tremendous amounts of weight and then you never see a follow-up. And that's essentially because they all put back on weight because when they're on the show, they're burning all these calories and eating not a whole lot and then they can't sustain that for life. So Dr. Fung talks about it being the premise of it just being a calories in and calories out approach is is not a correct approach and that's because we have two areas that we store uh we're going to talk about this. Uh, yeah. so this is you and i diverge a little bit on this mm -hmm. so uh this is just insulin insulin is a hormone that is released when you eat carbohydrates uh, it helps you absorb and actually it's maybe yeah but it helps you absorb uh sugars into your cells so in uh, all your cells everywhere, including fat cells. Okay, so this is a very quick overview. So the pancreas is, is one of your organs and your digestive system. It produces insulin, uh, which goes into your blood. And so the insulin pushes the, the sugar into your fat cells for storage and into your muscles and pushes it everywhere in the body. Um, it also makes what's called glycogen. So glycogen is also in your muscles and your liver. So glycogen is basically just uh, strings of glucose attached to each other so that you, when you need it, you can just rip one off and, and use it to, for energy. It's very quick storage of energy. Fat is a long-term storage of energy. It takes longer to get it out of storage it's a, it's more efficient you get more sort of energy per square inch so to speak it, it's just a very uh, a good long-term solution for energy storage when the body doesn't have access to food one of you and, and then to piggyback off that when we don't eat our insulin levels drop which signals our body to pull energy out it starts with the glycogen in the liver and once that's depleted and you have to deplete the glycogen in the liver first before you get to the fat stores. And a lot of people don't ever do that. So they exercise, exercise, and exercise. And again, I, now looking back, I think I did that exact thing. I would have a, a giant bowl of oatmeal and think, oh, I gotta, I gotta um, uh, give my workout an energy, I need, I need to eat for energy for my workout. And I would, and that's exactly what fueled my workouts. But then I would never get tap into my fat stores. So once your glycogen levels are depleted, Dr. Fung talks about insulin as being a wall that blocks your ability to burn body fat. So think about when you eat, anytime you eat, or especially when you eat carbs and, and, and even you know quick carbs, even worse. But the higher you spike your insulin, the higher that wall is for you to be burning body fat for energy. So when does that wall come down and your ability to burn body fat is when your insulin levels are low and you've depleted your glycogen out of your liver. A lot of people never get there, despite, you know, you could exercise all you want, but if you're eating all the time and your, 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 your glycogen levels are always full, you never tap into your fat stores. Yes, ma'am. Corey Ryan, uh, 
paid advertisement by you mentioned that you probably can't tell because he's lost 12 pounds in 30 days from doing the 8 to 16. Oh, good. Good for him. And cutting out soda. Cutting out soda is good too. <laughs> so quickly with this, so insulin resistance is a very um, important topic in medicine for the last probably 25 years. It, this is what leads to diabetes. So the way it works is you every time you eat, your body makes insulin. And then if you get to the more and more insulin your body makes, your, your cells in your body naturally counteract that. That's just what uh, bodies do. If you get too much of something, they become resistant to it. Just like if you use too many drugs, you get more resistant to that. So your, the cells in the body start to resist the, the insulin. And then the, the sugar that you take in gets stored more efficiently or more preferentially as fat. So even though you may have a lot of sugar coming in, it's more preferentially going to fat. And so you're getting that vicious cycle and then you're more craving food and craving sugar and craving carbohydrates, which leads to more insulin and round and round you go. And that's the problem. Rob DeBuck with the Avatar Police Department. What is the effect of diet soda on insulin levels? I think it raises it just a little bit, not that much. That's a good question, but it does. It, it causes a, a raise, but it's it, what what the the risk with diet sodas is more psychological at a sort of not just awareness, but at a, a subconscious level. Your body starts thinking, "Okay, I've I've had um, I've had some sugar," and it ends up sort of craving more sugar. It gets used to having sugar, so it gets that sugar feeling and that sort of. Um, enjoyment of sugar without actually getting the sugar so your body compensates and you start craving more sugar. Also, according to Dr. Fung, the problem with eating less and exercising more, and they've known this since 1915, is that eventually your metabolic rate slows down. So think about this. There was, a, there was another study with, um, I think there was 50,000 women that participated in this women's movement, and their, their idea was they would cut their calories 350 a day. And by their math, they would lose 21 pounds in a year. So the problem with that is if that was true, how much weight would they lose in 10 years? They go to zero. 210 pounds. <laughs> so obviously, at some point, you're, what happens is, is your metabolism slows down and your output of energy is, is less Yes. to make up for. So what people will do is, and they find it all the time, you'll, everybody will cut their calories and exercise more, and they'll lose weight in the beginning. And let's just say that your um, your maintenance level of calories is, let's just say it's 2,000 for just for argument's sake. Well, if you cut your calories by 200, the theory is, is you'll lose weight, and you will initially. The problem is, is now you're eating 1,800 calories. Maybe you need to cut 300 or whatever. Eventually, your body will just output less energy. And, and it's the cycle that people do all the time. So they'll cut their calories again, and they'll start to lose weight, and then their body will make up for it. And then people, after a few times of doing this, they're like, I'm not gonna, I can't go down to 1,200 calories a day. And they get frustrated and stop, and they gain the weight back. The, the key in, in the studies that I've read is, is controlling your insulin levels, and we'll talk about yeah. that. So this is what he was talking about. Calories in, calories out is ultimately what decides your weight so uh, because but be, it's just that's how your body is that's how energy stores work there's a, it, 
the more energy you put out and the less energy you take in, your stores go down. So that's just how it is. But it gets but regulating eating and insulin and weight is one of the most physiologically complex things in in medicine. And if it weren't, there'd be plenty of medicines out there to help people lose weight, and there really are very few. Larry Casillas from the Elkhart Police Department. What about the high-protein diets that cut out all carbs and sugars? How is this different from fasting as far as it affects insulin in your body? That's a good question. So I think the first off, most of those diets work, and the evidence shows that they work mostly because of calorie restriction. So your, your body goes into, I guess those are the ketone you make ketone you start bodies. Burning ketones for energy. But I think in terms of insulin, I don't know that much about it, but you know, you read the claims and they say it does regulate your insulin uh, better because yeah, you're not your body is not as reactive to proteins with some there's like the glycemic scales, so some foods cause a very big spike in insulin and some foods don't. So the, the highest ones are um, I think it's just like, like the white rice like sugar is one. And then I think like high fructose corn syrup is 1.5. And then you go down and like white rice is much higher than brown rice. And so, and, and usually protein is on the lower end of the scale. Well, and, the, and the glycemic index is, it's a hundred scale and the higher the worse. I mean, it spikes your insulin levels higher. So that the scale, so it's not one, it's a hundred. It's a hundred. Sugar is a hundred. So, so right. So you got something like white bread and I, I believe white bread's a 78 on the glycemic index. So it's pretty healthy. No. I'm not telling you. You want to eat things like 40 and below. So right. high fiber 50, food. 55 and below is, is the optimal. But even stuff like fruit, like an apple has 21 grams of sugar and it's like a 73 on glycemic index. Let's not get into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, so so Doc was, was talking about uh, ketones. So there's the ketogenic diet, which I think is a really good diet. However, the only problem I have with the ketogenic diet, and the ketogenic diet is essentially a high fat, just kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> it makes people have ketone uh, bodies, and it, it gets the changes what is your ketone breath. Ketone body. Ketone bodies are what oh, they're bodies, called. Okay. So your body, like, so your body, you go into ketosis, and the ketone bodies. It's that's when not, you don't have enough glucose. Bad. When you use all your stores of glucose, your body makes these things called ketone bodies in order to keep your brain alive because they can cross the blood-brain barrier. Well, a couple things though. So the keto, your body actually, you want to be burning body fat for energy. It's longer lasting. When you eat carbohydrates, your insulin spikes, you have this, this raise of energy and then you drop. So, you know, if you ever go to a high a pizza or some garbage meal and all of a sudden you feel like falling asleep after. That's because you've raised your insulin levels high and then they come crashing. The idea behind the ketogenic diet, which I think a ketogenic diet is a really good diet. My problem with the ketogenic diet is it wouldn't be sustainable for me. Because uh, you, either, you either run off of glycogen or you run off of ketones. So when you switch to a ketogenic diet, which is high fat, almost no carbs, uh, moderate protein, you switch your energy source. Your body's been running off of glycogen forever, for probably our whole lives. But when you switch to a high-fat diet, it switches its fuel source. There's evidence that shows that it's actually a preferred fuel source for your brain, ketone bodies. But my problem with it is when you eat carbs, you, you bump yourself out of ketosis. 
So then you go back to burning sugar for energy. And for me, to say that I'm never going to have pizza again or a cupcake or cakes is just not, for me, it's not sustainable. But it's I, a diet that works very well. It works very well. I was on that for a while. It works. I mean, it's, it, it does work when you're not, you know, you're car, you don't have carbs. So we talked about this. So the, your body, it's very simple when you think about it. You have to be able to store energy. Otherwise, you'll die because the, the body converts food into uh, energy, and, uh, it, and that's what keeps your heart pumping and your mind working. So throughout history, if you don't have access to food all the time, like kind of like plugging in into an outlet, if you have a fan that you have to plug in all the time and then you don't have energy, it stops. That's why we have batteries. That's basically what fat and glycogen are. They're like backup batteries. Well, and, and speaking of how we were all through history, a, a, a lot of history we were hunters and gatherers, which means we would go a day or sometimes days without food. So the way our body was hardwired is it would hold on to fat for energy to when we would go days without eating, it would give us the energy that we needed. The problem now is we're always eating. So we store this energy and never use it. So essentially, we all have granola bars taped to our body. Awesome. We just need to use it. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Got it now. <laughs> uh, Lawrence Savage with APD. So I've done, I've experimented with this, and it seems to me sometimes. I'll start to get really weak and almost get a headache when I'm getting close to where I have to eat. How do you keep from, from that happening? Like I, can, I eat at 6 one night and I was supposed to eat at you know, 10 the next day, 11, and I barely made it. And then after I did, I already had a headache. So I think in the beginning, your body will have a bit of an adjustment phase. Ironically, I used to get headaches all the time. Like migraines were my thing. And they would put me out for like 24 hours. I've been doing this for 11 months. I've had one headache. But what I do is I'm, the first thing I do when I get up is I drink 32 ounces of water. And sometimes, I was telling Doc this, sometimes I'll put, <laughs> again, I'm obsessive. Nobody has to be, really? <laughs> Nobody has to be as crazy as I am. But you could put like Himalayan pink salt. And a lot of times, or sea salt, you know, because a lot of times we, we get when we're, depleted for so long we lose minerals also and so your body could be having a reaction to all of a sudden you haven't eaten in 15 hours and you don't have any minerals sometimes if you, you give yourself a little bit of salt lots of water sometimes and i don't know maybe your body's just like freaking out my mind kind of freaked out and beating my ghrelin like, so we have this hunger hormone called ghrelin in our body and it spikes around the times we normally eat right so for me when I used to eat at six in the morning, six in the morning rolls around when I first started this, and I'm, my stomach is like screaming for food. But studies show that that hormone will drop, and eventually it'll readjust to your new eating schedule, which happened to me. I don't even now I don't eat till noon, and it doesn't even bother me at all. And it's funny because at around six in the morning, all of a sudden my stomach was growling like crazy. Again at nine in the morning, my stomach would growl like crazy, but it was because that's when I was used to eating. So maybe your, your minerals are a little deficient, you know, maybe a little dehydrated. I, I agree with uh, Lieutenant, and so I would make sure you're drinking enough water um, and try to get some minerals too, that's a good idea. And, and the salt will help you retain water, obviously. And so the other thing is, 
I would cut back and do it more consistently. I think you get a lot of benefit from 12 hours. You don't have to do the 16 hours. So work to a spot because everybody's body is different. So maybe you deplete your glycogen stores faster than other people. So I would um, try to cut back to a spot. And then as he was saying, the, your body's very good at adjusting. Um, so I would, I would experiment with changing it until you found a, a, a one that works for you. You know, another thing that I found that in the very beginning, I was eating super clean. So I would have like, chicken and, and and salad for you know, my last meal and that <laughs> and i for me in the morning those just didn't last so i found personally i eat doritos and snowball <laughs> i'll eat fattier meats like in the evening i'll have you know brisket or grass-fed burgers or things like that just to last longer and for me that helped because when i was eating too clean it was it's kind of cool that once you guys clean. So. Dr. Hatfield said that headaches could also be caused by caffeine withdrawal. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't myself. <laughs> so, so going back, the, the calories in is a one compartment model. You, your body gets calories and the calories go out. And that's very simplistic. And a more uh, a reasonable model, a better model is, so your glycogen is like a refrigerator and the, the body fat is more like the freezer in the basement. So it's harder to get to, but it's very good at storing food for a long time when you're, when you're out of glycogen. And, and you're, you don't really mobilize the fat or go to the freezer very often unless your fridge is kind of empty. And so the big regulator of deciding where uh, sugar and food comes in, so as you eat, your body has a choice. It can burn the calories immediately. It can store it into glycogen or it can store it into body fat. And so insulin is one of the things that helps regulate that. And so as you kind of screw up your insulin, your body gets very good at shunting the calories you eat into fat. So you can have two people and they take in the exact same amount of calories. Say John takes in a fat of 2,000 calories and I take 2,000 calories. But let's say my body's very good at shunting that calories into fat. So I now take 1,000 of those calories and put them into fat and I only have 1,000 calories to sort of run my metabolic rate and to, to think and to exercise. So I'm hungry because I really just don't have the access to the same amount of food. So it, so I end up eating more and then I gain weight. And so that's kind of more of a realistic model. One of the questions that I get asked all the time is, will your body burn muscle? A lot of people, which, and I was one of them, I was super afraid that, oh my God, my, my, I'm going to eat my muscle first thing. And um, you got to think of it like, like we were talking earlier, your body stores body fat for energy. That's what, we, that's what we're hardwired to do. So it would, be, it would be dumb to think that it'd be like chopping wood for the winter. And then when it's time to burn it, you throw in the sofa into the fireplace. Like your body's not going to burn your muscle first. You're not supposed to do it. <laughs> so that's what your body fat is made to burn for energy your muscles that's not your that's body not doesn't want to yeah it's not its purpose now studies have shown that you go you start going over the 24 hour mark then you will start eating some muscle tissue but your body will protect its muscle to start we'll show you grass tissue and then you need your muscles to work so you can go get more food coming from the network is since lt you've been fasting you do seem like a weaker person yes <laughs> 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 Interesting. Yeah. Just reading it all. I, 
question. Rob Garnan, CIU, uh, Lieutenant, uh, did 32 ounces of water when you first wake up in the morning? Recently, I recently read something where it's like if you drink two bottles of water right when you wake up, like it, it's better for your organs and, and I don't know, it like kickstarts your body. Is that what That's you what I, Yeah, water? well, well the, the reason I do this softball, I heard that it makes you smarter and a better looking person. That's why you drink it out totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, it, you're depleted. I'm, I'm super hungry and thirsty in the usually, so water seems to help. I don't know, it's an thing, so I usually have a glass of water and then I work out and have another glass. So that's where I get my two bottles. And then one more question. I mean, so this seems like it, it helps prevent diabetes and then that whole yeah. thing, but what if somebody's already diabetic? No, that's, that's a great question. So. The studies show that that's actually not the case. This diet works better for people who are already overweight or obese and at risk for diabetes. And so diabetes is one of the main things is that insulin resistance. That's basically what diabetes is. So this is helps reverse that. So another nice softball question, yes. Then Lieutenant Jacoma Thalk here, please start asking a question for you, LT. Um, since you train fasted, are you eating right after your workout? That's a good question. So, um, again, I'm very obsessed with what I do. So for a while, I wasn't. So I would, I would work out at about 5.40 in the morning before I'd come to work, and then I would go another five hours without eating. Now, a couple studies, and the reason I did that for a while was because there was a study out of Harvard recently that had three groups of participants and they were rats. They weren't rats. They were actually <laughs> they were super strong mice. <laughs> no, so they had the they had three groups of people that were experienced weightlifters or lifters. Uh, one group they had them have a protein shake or carbohydrate protein shake 30 minutes after their workout. Because we've all been taught or I, I was always taught you have a 30 minute window to get nutrients to your muscles. They call it the anabolic window. I was always taught that, so I always ran to the kitchen and drink a, a whey protein drink after I worked out. So this study, three, three different groups of, of lifters, one had a shake right after 30 minutes after. The second group waited four hours after their workout before they gave their body any nutrients. And the third group waited 24 hours after their workout. And guess what they found? The 24 hours the best. They found zero change across the board. <laughs> so after the 24 hours, they found that they started eating muscle tissue. How long did they do this study? Uh, it was one day. No. <laughs> no. I'm not exactly. Uh, but it was extended. Right. So, so, that's, so, I, um, so I would go, most of the time I would go about four hours after I worked out before I fed it. They call it riding the growth hormone window, or the growth hormone wave, which we'll talk about growth hormone in a minute. Okay. No, no, listen. They, they say when you fast close to 24 hours, that your growth hormone can spike up for guys 2,000%. There's actually a chart yeah. of the growth hormone. And um, for women, 1,300%. And growth hormone is anti-aging, muscle protection, cellular repair. All these good things happen when your growth hormone is high. 
but you can't do that every day, right? 24 hours. Well, there's a lot of people out there that do the OMAD diet, which is one meal a day, and they, they go 23 hours and they eat one big meal at night. Okay, so not to rain on the parade, but we're going to talk about some limitations, drawbacks, and potential risks. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, so overall, from what I've reviewed, the evidence is good for intermittent fasting, and, and that's even when you compare it to calorie-restricted diets, meaning I'll just eat 1,700 calories a day. Um, but when you, do the, when you do a direct comparison between calorie-restricted and intermittent fasting, it, in human beings, in, in rats, it works really well. Um, in human beings, it's a little more nuanced, and... Um, it still is, I think, superior, but in terms of weight loss, it's about the same. Uh, in terms of a lot of the metabolic markers, it, it favors intermittent fasting. And one study showed that it was, uh, um, several studies show that it's better with sensitivity for insulin. So it actually does increase insulin sensitivity, which is really a good thing. And, and real quick, I have a little chart here that I'd like everyone to see. I don't know why you didn't put this in. Long time. Quick. <laughs> so I don't know if you could show I, it. Are you interrupting me the one time I'm doing drawbacks to this thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this that's is, exactly Just real they can't quick. No, they can't. No, they can't. Okay. okay, so real quick, this chart here shows the longer you go, the longer you go fasting, the more you burn your body fat. So in the beginning, you start with carbs. Once you deplete those, that drops, and you, you don't you're not running on carbs anymore. Then your fat rate goes up, and it's steady. So the longer you go, you just keep your body fat. The longer you go faster, and you spare your protein. That just levels off. So, so it's very hard for your next. This is fasting for thirty five days. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> No, there was. Can I tell Wait, you, did you see the first one? Read it. So that is one of the obsessive thinking about this this diet. So that is that is one of the drawbacks of risk. Is you know it can become obsessive, uh, thinking about food and diet all the time. It can cause like what uh, Lawrence was talking about, sort of low mood. And you had mentioned this. It's sort of obvious. If you fast, you can sometimes get grumpy and angry, and these things can happen to some people more than others. It happens more with normal weight people who go on this diet than people who are obese. Um, feasting on people often feast, so that's another risk. You you don't you don't eat for twenty four hours, and then you just chow down, and that can have bad effects on your health. Um, and then there's the risk of sort of eating disorders. So I don't eat, and I'm just going to stop eating, and then you sort of become anorexic, or you do the binging, which is not great. So other drawbacks, do you want to interrupt? Well, there was this man, <laughs> true story, uh, bring it up on the internet, well, there was a man who had 467 pounds. <laughs> Did you just pounds. quote the internet as being true? <laughs> yes. True story. <laughs> Let me just finish this, because we want to add, answer questions. Yes. So some evidence shows that it can actually, intermittent fasting compared to uh, calorie restricted can increase fat in the liver, which is surprising, but it's not that much, and it, we don't know if it's clinically significant. It's only one study. Uh, and it could potentially raise cortisol. Cortisol responds to stress. Not eating is a stressful situation, and cortisol, if elevated too often and too long, can have negative effects. So, but overall, I think the risks are outweighed by the benefits, and I think it's a. It's, 
the benefits are outweighed by the risks. <laughs> Excuse the me. Whole thing <laughs> the benefits are outweighed by the risks. I think it, it. it's a very um, safe intervention. You can try it for a week or a month. It's not going to hurt you really. Um, there are a lot of positive studies. The mechanism a action means like there's an explanation. It makes sense that it works. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence, uh, and there's a very very good evidence in rats. Uh, and there's good. Say that's so negative. Yeah, why do you say rats? <laughs> rats. Rats. I like rats. You do I did. Okay. I'm sorry. I love rats. In rats. Um, and there's a low, uh, the, it's not very risky, it's a lower risk than being overweight or obese trying this diet. Um, so other, it's not a diet. some of the downsides are it, there's some discomfort, it can be socially awkward, you know, hey guys, yeah, I can't eat now until... Yeah, diabetes is discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a good thing is it requires basically nothing. So most diets, you have to get special food, and you have to prepare, and you have to take it with you, and waste you have to waste stuff. With this, you just don't eat. It's very easy. It doesn't take any extra time, and you don't have to buy anything. Um, and it doesn't take any extra time. Um, so